Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect, and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. I um, often struggle to separate my identity from Project Rocket's identity, um, and I think most founders, I think, would would um, relate to that or entrepreneurs, people are really passionate about what they're working on. Um, and I think um, as a teenager, basically, that started Project Rocket and, and grew it over the last 14 years, I think I even said this in my last interview with you, Mark, that Project Rocket's kind of raised me. Um, it's taught me more, you know, the students that I've worked with have taught me more um, in that period than I'd learned, I think I'll learn in my whole life. Those are the inspiring words of Rosie Thomas, co-founder of Project Rocket. Project Rocket is Australia's youth-driven movement against bullying, hate and prejudice. A quick shout out to our Patreon family and we'll get right back to Rosie. I wouldn't be in a position to make this podcast each week without the support of our Patreon family. This week, we welcome Sue to the family. Welcome Sue and thank you for your kind support. We also thank regulars including Levi, Tanvir, Lucia, Judy, Jules, Sally, McCartan, Stuart, Joel, Misha Times 2, Bonnie, Olivia, Lyndon, Joe, B, and Will. This elite group helps me to shape the direction of the podcast through their ideas, advice, guest referrals, and ongoing feedback. If you want to support the growth and future sustainability of Humans of Purpose, I encourage you to also join our community. To support us, just hit the link in our show notes or head to patreon.com slash humans of purpose. So it was awesome catching up with Rosie for our second uh, podcast chat. Make sure you do check out our previous episode too for more of a deep dive on Rosie's background and tremendous work at Project Rocket. This one was my first remote recording done via Zoom, and although it will never be good as good as in person, I'm really happy with how it turned out in the circumstances. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rosie as much as I did. Excellent. So pumped to be here and returning to the podcast in this new webinar uh, or web- webcast form with return guest Rosie Thomas, co-founder of Project Rocket. Uh, Rosie, it's terrific to have you back with us, albeit virtually. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back. Well, it was probably six months since we've done our last podcast. So if anyone wants to know what Rosie's all about and Project Rocket's all about, do check out uh, our previous podcast, which was a big hit and a lot of fun to do. But I thought maybe for the purposes of just getting reacquainted before we get into contemporary affairs, let's talk a bit about your journey into Project Rocket and um, what what you do there and what it's all about. Sure. Can I just say before I begin, I'm a little disappointed that I don't have a really cute puppy with me. Because <laughs> the last time I did my interview with you, I had a puppy like jumping all over me and I was trying to answer the questions. Which is a lovely distraction. <laughs> yeah, Cyril's uh, right behind me and he's on door watch at the moment. So he, he's just monitoring the door very closely, but he is around. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I feel like um, during this horrendous COVID crisis, we actually all need a floppy puppy. So um, yeah, feeling like I lost out. But um, no, it's really lovely to be invited back. Um, so I presume that the last podcast went down okay. So thanks for having me back. Big hit, um, very successful. As a little bit of background, um, I'm one of the co-founders and one of the CEOs of Project Rocket. Uh, today, Project Rocket is Australia's youth-driven movement against bullying, hate and prejudice. And up until about 
three and a half, four weeks ago, we sent teams of really, really passionate and highly trained young people into schools all over Australia to basically teach other young people how to stand up instead of standing by and really answer that sort of question, you know, rather than just expecting young people to stand up, we really want to help young people explore who they are and what they stand for um, in order to kind of build that better world. Um, But it wasn't always like that. Project Rocket was actually founded um, back in 2006. So I'm showing my age now because it was when my sister and I had just finished high school. Um, So back in 2006 and yeah, we finished high school and we're kind of a little bit disappointed by the fact that I was always taught as a kid that when you left school, like the world would begin and you could like have this massive impact and unleash yourself on the world and all this like amazing, exciting stuff was going to happen. And to be honest, it was really anticlimactic. I didn't feel like I was making a difference and making a difference was always something that was really, really ingrained in who I was. And I think for us having just finished high school and having personally seen, but also as a bystander seen, the way that bullying was destroying the lives Um, of our peers um, that, you know, having just finished high school, some people finishing high school happy and confident and, you know, ready to take on the opportunities that the world was affording them and others were basically just an empty, horrified shell of a human that they were when when they started in, in year seven. And so, yeah, we looked around and we saw that no one was doing anything about the issue of bullying in a way that actually reached young people or was by young people or even listened to young people instead there was that classic like doom and gloom or I don't know they send like a scary retired cop into your school to basically try and um use fear as a motivator for doing the right thing and none of that worked and so we were really restless to create change and we thought well someone should really do something about this and then kind of somehow had a moment where we realized that we could be those somebodies and um, Project Rocket was born. So from a really, really simple idea, the idea that we believe in a world where kindness and respect thrive over bullying, hate and prejudice, and all young people are free to realise their potential. And so it's evolved in many, many different ways over the last 14 years. There has been so many ups, so many downs. I'm going to call our journey like a pinball machine, um, but with every bounce and every knock, um, it's certainly been a really exciting journey. And here we are today facing... COVID-19, which no one ever saw coming. Um, and, yeah, heartbreakingly, it's, it's really having a horrible, horrible health and, and financial and all sorts of impacts on, on people, including the young people that we serve in schools. It's, um, it's particularly worrying, you know, and I think also how much of a you can avoid the COVID stuff, but you can also dig in deep and become very obsessive over it. And I think, you know, it it has triggered a lot of panic instincts that um, maybe many of our um, communities have in terms of, um, you know, there's constant updates, the news saturation every five minutes, there's a red dot telling you what's happening with COVID and usually it's a very minor update. But um, it's certainly taking up a lot of mental bandwidth and and probably um, anxiety that... um, for some reason, you know, for good, for good reasons or bad, is there. So I wonder, do you think that youth has been more or disproportionately impacted by COVID in, in how we're sort of dealing with it? Well, look, I think um, if you look at uh, some of the ways in which we've, we've all, well, we've all been enormously impacted. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And I think really what you're naming there as well is that it hasn't just been this big, like, tidal wave of fear and change and 
it's it's been constant and it's been so intense. Like I, I don't know about um, you or, or the people that are listening right now, but I've had little moments where I've noticed that my body is so unbelievably tense that I'm actually shallow breathing. I'm squinting. Um, I can feel myself under so much pressure and so much intensity. And I think it was probably about 10 days to two weeks in. Well, actually, it's Corona time. So I honestly couldn't tell you because I cannot track the last <laughs> month. I think one week Corona time is like, it feels like a year of normal time. But yeah, I had a moment where I was like, this intensity, this pace is so unsustainable. Um, and I really, I realized as a leader as well, and with the team that I was managing, everybody working so unbelievably, unbelievably tirelessly and giving their everything that it just wasn't sustainable. And I think that when we look through the lens of young people who are, you know, arguably in their most crucial developmental um, stage of their life, from a health perspective, um, you know, from a cognitive perspective, that, um, you know, this, this does have a really, really big impact. You're looking at things like school closures, um, you know, for, for so many young people, school is their safe place. Um, school is the place that they access not just learning but where they actually access well-being structures. Um, even, you know, my, my partner is actually a youth worker in a school and she's faced this enormous challenge right now of dealing with issues like housing, um, drug and alcohol abuse, um, extreme, really extreme uh, mental health ramifications of this. And so, and having to do it, well, actually not via Zoom because a lot of the people that she's working with, you know, Zoom isn't isn't something that's available to them. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're faced with this enormous raft of challenges. And I think we're faced with an enormous opportunity too. And the way we see it at um, Project Rocket is that, um, you know, as our lives now spill even further online, which was in a way kind of hard to imagine about a month ago that we would our screen time would go through the roof. And and if you look at that screen time, it's, you know, it's not all equal. Before the, the kind of screen time, I think that a lot of parents um, or experts, if you like, um, would really have a beef with was the fact that young people were, you know, getting sucked into the screen time and, and you know, it's having this detrimental impact on their health. But I think what we're seeing now is just how crucial technology is, not just for learning, but for connection um, during these times. And actually as a as a channel and a vehicle for delivering like quite quite literally life-saving communication and connection um, between people. So yeah, look, I think young people are enormously impacted by corona. Um, schools are closed. I don't think that it's like, woohoo, schools are closed. I'm I'm at home. It's not at all. Young people are kind of left um, on their own with with the support of their poor parents who basically are now um, you know among uh, their own professions or, or their own role as a parent. They're also the teacher. And when you're a teacher, you're also the well-being person. You're the phys ed instructor. You're all of those responsibilities. And so, yeah, look, it's a pretty enormous um, change. And with it, I think, come some really scary challenges, particularly for really vulnerable youth, but also some really exciting opportunities, I think, for like connection and innovation and rethinking the way that we do things. Because I think people keep returning, talking about, when we return to normal, mm. I think like normal's always been pretty shit. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> so, just to be blunt, forgive forgive my language. And so, yeah, yeah I, um, I love working with young people because I think they always come from a place of now isn't good enough. What's coming next? And with that, brings such an enormous, um, yeah, accountability for mm. for doing better. And and I think with young people leading the way, then that's entirely possible. 
Yeah, it's, I think you've captured all of it really well. A few things to pick up on. Um, certainly a point around um, the COVID anxiety residing in the body or manifesting in body pain. For me, I mean, I, I feel ancient too, mid-30s, but just feeling like I've been in my osteo three times in the past week because I think all of the concentration on corona has made me just my body's just not going that well coping with all of it, all this sitting at a desk in front of your screen, uh, all the thinking about what has to change and what stays the same. And even the the regular rhetoric um, around the new normal and kind of um, flattening the curve and all this stuff, um, you could really easily or it, it'd be quite hard to spend your day doing just what you normally do in a bubble uh, in spite of all of this. And I think um, I wonder really, how we're serving our most vulnerable at a time like this. And I'm thinking about disadvantaged youth. I'm thinking about um, communities in rural areas without as much access to to health services. I'm thinking about our healthcare workers and very much around um, some things that you raised before, you know, around Zoom and technology. So we take it for granted sometimes that we can just jump on Zoom and have a video call. But as we know from working with disadvantaged communities, um, a lot of them just do not have Zoom. They don't have the capabilities with the email and the, the booking in times and whatnot. So there, there are those challenges um, but also I think there are layers to how different um, groups are able to respond to those challenges. It's very easy for me to go out and buy a really nice webcam and a, a, a mic to continue to do the podcast but that that's just one thing that I do. Imagine you know all the other people out there resuming, trying to resume schooling, trying to resume counselling relationships and whatnot. It does open up a whole range of thoughts around um, how do we work with people uh, with technology as a great leveller but something that gives a hand up and not just a hand down to. I'm actually um, quite fascinated and excited by um, which fascinated and excited I guess my dispositions. Often, but um, I am actually genuinely quite fascinated and excited by um, what social innovation looks like during this time because I think it's a bloody humbling experience for everybody right now. If you're an individual, a parent, a teacher, or if you're running an organisation like Project Rocket or running any business right now, because um, you have to be innovative and you have to be socially, socially innovative. Mm. I've always believed that what is the point of an innovation if it's not social because can't we um, serve the human good and create enormous value for communities instead of individuals? But right now that there's, there's no room for just pure innovation without focusing on creating value for humans because, um, yeah, there's such a need. And I think with that means I know from my own experience as um yeah, the leader of an anti-bullying organisation that after 14 years, like, of course, we're always looking for the next, uh, whether it be using digital, the next way we can innovate and really listen to the needs of young people and work with them to create the tools that they need. But what's really cool is an experience like this was, as I call it, like the tidal way, it wiped out everything. And it also wiped out any sort of ego because mm. any sort of ego that we had the answers or, um, you know, that, that making assumptions about what people needed right now, one of the first things we did was shut up because there was just absolutely too much going on. No one had the bandwidth to listen. And I think recognising, <coughs> excuse me, that's not a corona cough, I promise you, but um, <laughs> recognising that, um, yeah, if I am feeling the tenseness in my shoulders, the palpitating heartbeats, the squinting eyes and the worry lines then I think collectively we're all experiencing that and so it took a lot of vulnerability I think for each of us to really tune into those feelings and listen to the community around us before even thinking about acting but yeah from an innovation perspective and 
and from a technology perspective and a community need, like, yeah, I'm really excited by what this time will bring because there's no room for fluffy products that don't serve a need. You know, there's, there's absolutely... There's, there's no there's no room for that. And so, yeah, I think with that has leveled the playing field a bit. And, yeah, you could be a charity that's been around for 30 years or you could be a couple of kids that just started up an organisation to tackle that same issue one year ago. And I feel like right now everybody is on a level playing field. Maybe not financially. It's, it's a really, really tough, tough, tough time. But in terms of, um, yeah, using our skills and our gifts and our ability to really listen and craft something for this time, yeah, I think that's it's exciting. So great point there. I think that you, one thing I pick up on is that emphasis on social innovation where it's not the time to stop and just freak out about COVID. It's the time to realise that everyone is really craving and has a deficiency really in that social connection and wants it all the more. But how do we provide it in a really savvy way? Maybe I'll segue that into just asking you a bit about how um, Project Rocket's doing things differently and how you've been able to socially innovate for the time. And then maybe also a bit about how you're personally coping and handling yourself during COVID to make sure you're at your best. Yeah, cool. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily nailing the second, but we can get to that. Um, yeah, so I guess um, probably like every every business out there and every organisation, we began what we call internally at Project Rocket Operation COVID Pivot, um, which I think everybody has done in some form. And yeah, basically it was a really alarming um, time for us. What COVID looked like was about um, five weeks ago, we started thinking, all right, we're going to need some policies on this internally. We're going to have to start thinking about what happens if this thing grows legs and people get sick and will that prevent us going into schools? And we just, just clocked it. And probably about four or five days later, in one day, we had, we lost $70,000 of income from bookings that were cancelled or postponed and it just, it happens so quickly. And of course, as a business, like to, to you know, be, being a um, social enterprise, a for-profit social enterprise, our projections are everything. Like that's mm. what pay the bills. If we don't hit those, those targets, then we can't um, employ our young people and incubate them as leaders and get them to go and deliver our social model. And so that was alarming. But of course, um, with things happening so quickly, um, you know, and having to make decisions so quickly, um, we, you know, had to make a real effort to sort of um, bring the team together and work out what to do with very little information. I've described um, that week, that that first week of working out what to do with a sporting analogy. Forgive me anyone who hates sports, <laughs> but this is how I described it. It kind of felt like originally we were playing a game of AFL football. You've got all your team members on the pitch. You know, everyone knows how to play football. You've been playing it for a really long time. You've got your strategies. You've got your plan. You're running along. Then all of a sudden a big giant comes along, swoops in, plucks the goals off and says, just keep playing. And so you're like, all right, everyone. Like, uh, yep, you're treading water a little bit. You're like, okay, yep. And then um, you, you start playing. So you, you're on with the next plan. All of a sudden someone comes in and says, oh, you're not playing AFL anymore. You're playing tennis. So then you say to you, all right, everyone, here's a racket. Um, I'm going to need you. What you do is you get a yellow ball. And, and it felt a little bit like that until we just said, stop everything. And that's when we really realised that we really needed to um, listen to our community to actually just be there for them and to make sure that um, they knew that Project Rocket had their back and that first and foremost, um, 
yeah, that we, we wanted to still be there to listen and to provide them with the, the kind of support that they needed. Um, and for young people and for educators, that, that's quite different. But um, we also knew um, that we had a, a, a business model that needed saving. And for us at Project Rocket, as I said, if we were just a business, undoubtedly we'd just close our doors. Mm. Um, it, you know, we temporarily close because um, working right now, operating comes at a cost. But we're not just a business. We're a social business and our model is obviously to to um, have a positive impact um, in schools and to leave a legacy for young people. But also part of our impact model is actually to um, hire young people and train young people who need jobs. And, and, you know, that's part of our impact model. So, yeah, we realised we we have been in the online space um, for for quite a few years now. We developed an online curriculum about four or five years ago that has won a couple of international awards in um, innovation, which is really cool to have under our belt. We've also learned from that that online education is really hard. Mm. We have loads and loads of people come to us and ask for advice and, um, you know, want to get cracking with their app for schools um, straight away. And we found that actually getting technology into schools has been so unbelievably challenging. Um, there are so many barriers that um, it can be a very slow, slow progress. And so knowing that everybody's going online right now, we really... Um, really wanted to make sure that before we just jump and make assumptions or or just repackage our old content and try and say, hey, here's the round peg. Can you fit this in your square corona hole, basically? <laughs> square so, corona yeah. hole. That one's going in the uh, cliff notes for sure. That's oh, awesome. I, uh, yeah, I feel like the, the off-cuts, triple X or something. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and so um, we've, the team, like, yeah, I actually am sitting here and I have palpitations for a good reason. I'm so inspired by everything that's gone on in the last um, fortnight. Um, I'm inspired by the educators that we've spoken to, many of whom feel so abandoned, um, so committed to their students, but just so at a loss of how to be dealing with these issues, speaking to parents, speaking to young people that just have no idea what's going on, but Mm. now are told, hey, before you were told no screen time, now here's a screen, work it out, and all of the problems are emphasised. So, you know, we we look at things like wellbeing, um, issues like um, respectful relationships and um, image-based abuse has gone up through the roof, the ESECD office has reported in the last few weeks. So these issues are really in this petri dish and they're really coming to life. And so, yeah, we're really excited that the team basically went underground and in the last fortnight we basically built um, an entire new business, which is really cool. And it's built um, with all of these amazing young people that showed up to work. Their jobs no longer exist anymore, but they have decided that they're going to just give give it their everything. They're performing um, duties completely outside of their roles. They're working completely outside of their comfort zones, literally understanding um, how to build these these workshops. And so, yeah, basically what we've done now is we've created um, a whole series of online workshops for students in primary schools and secondary schools. And there's some teacher and parent education in the works too. Um, Knowing our audience very, very well um, and having spoken to them as well, we know that um, it's all about production value. And so we knew that webinars, like looking at each other through Zoom right now, just weren't going to cut it, that we needed something that, um, you know, really was designed by young people for young people, had the real talk required right now to really specifically um, target the issues of corona, not just the issues that we think young people are experiencing outside of this phenomenon. 
Um, but also that it needed to be all the things that Project Rocket was. It needed to be fun and strengths-based and put um, young people in the position where their opinions are not only valid, but they're the most important opinions in the room. Um, we wanted to work with young people to come up with real strategies that they need, whether it be standing up to bullying online or whether it be um, to look after themselves in these really uncertain times. We wanted to... Um, yeah, we wanted to still have loads of really funny content that took the piss out of things and helped break the tension of this situation. And so, yeah, we, we basically built um, all of these um, workshops in the last um, couple of weeks and we're launching them um, into schools now. So, yeah, all of our um, online workshops are aligned with the Australian curriculum and, um, yeah, basically help young people work and live and operate during this time in the 21st century and really um, help them really look into creating real talk around not just reaching out and standing up to bullying, but really examining um, values and ethics during this time because young people really are left alone with a device um, at, at this point. And so I think now more than ever, um, this education is, is just so important. We really want to make sure that they're getting the messages that they need during this time to, to be safe and to, to thrive as much as possible. So very interesting in a way, I mean, very much what you were doing before uh, in your work has become so much more important now because of something like COVID. I suppose that would be very hard to predict. And it's also kind of interesting with messaging and how we were kind of taught to be generally that we, you know, we live in such a um, pervasive technological and social media age. How do we get back to the basics, like just being around friends and relatives and people we love more, but then all of a sudden you hit with COVID and it's sort of like, let's, you know, let's go completely the other way, which I'm sure must be causing a lot of young people whiplash and um, concern around, uh, maybe they're not thinking about it. Do you think that, you know, young people are really, questioning their own activity online and behaviours or they're more just uh, rolling with it because of COVID? I think, yeah, like it's a challenging question, I think, because it's tempting to consider young people as like this homogenous group, Mm. yeah, representative of everybody. And I'd say, look, it's different for everyone. Um, Yeah, I think if you're predisposed with um, conditions like anxiety, for example, this is going to be a really hard time for you because um, all of the structure and the certainties that you had in place that you'd built up around you to help support you during these times have not only um, fallen away, but the the fear and the panic dial has been increased a lot. Then there are lots of... um, lots of other young people out there that um, are coping pretty well during this time. Um, and, and just because they're coping really well at this point doesn't mean that they won't be um, coping well, you know, in a week's time, things might change for them. Um, so I think like all young people need really different things right now. But the thing that we just can't forget about during this crisis, the show must go on. This isn't like um, one month. It's not two months. I think when we all started this out, I remember from a business perspective, like the contingency planning, mm. it was utterly bizarre to be completing a risk management and writing, classifying something as catastrophic and likely because it had already happened. <laughs> and I don't, like I would love somebody, if, if tweet me or something to share with me, if you were just one of those brilliant like prophets that wrote in their risk analysis, um, yeah, human thirsty virus sweeps the world. Like, it's just unbelievable. But, you know, when we first started, we were like, okay, what's our one-week strategy? What's our runway for a week? What are our, how can we reach young people? Then it was a month. Now we're looking at six months. But let's be real. Like, this isn't a six-month um, 
situation. It, it's much longer than that. And as I said, there's great opportunity with that, that mm. do we really want to return to an average normal or can we use this time to truly be better and to build amazing tools? The tools that we're building right now, are they not, they, they, these particular tools might be built um, to speak to the issues of this time, but what we've invested in as a team and what we've built, um, yeah, our idea is that we, we aim to be the lead providers in this education um, outside of this time as well. When we did our first trial of our webinar, we, we, we threw it together. Um, I should say as well that it's, it's a mix of, um, yeah, really, really high quality um, videos. We've actually created two seasons of Project Rocket TV with Google. So we already had like all these amazing episodes by young people, for young people, starring young people that talk about all the really tough curly issues that you just don't get to talk about, um, that parents feel compromised talking about or teachers don't have the answers to. And if you Googled it, you'd probably get a really dodgy response. And so we have all these amazing topics that talk so much about this, this type of stuff that are just sitting there. We have um, all of this content in Project Rocket Online, which is our digital workshops, like animations and strategies and real life stories. So our idea was that we wanted to get our young team back together. So this has enabled us to keep our young team employed um, and bring together all of this content, repackage it, repurpose it, um, and deliver much, much more new content that's relevant to this time um, and do it in a way that's really interactive. So we've, yeah, had an app been to an absolute rabbit hole of weighing up all the different um, webinar options out there. Um, it is an absolute beast to work out. Do you want mm. a schedule? Do you want live? Do you want demand? For us, um, interactivity was the most important thing, but we couldn't just create something like this, for example, um, that's really, really low, low, um, yeah, value, like really, you know, pixelated and crappy, but has high interactivity. We wanted to create something that was really, really high value um, and glossy and something that young people really love, but also had that interactivity. So just so many decisions um, needed to be made. But yeah, I guess the end result, we, we whipped something up to test it. It's just a 30 minute kind of like episode webinar. And within um, 48 hours of promoting it, we had um, over 2,100 students, um, 77 educators and 44 schools attend just that 30-minute um, session. And, and I think that speaks more to the fact that, you know, teachers in particular are absolutely crying out for um, for, for this sort of education. But rather than just, uh, you know, flooding schools right now because that's not what they need, mm. um, yeah, I think we really just wanted to use that as an opportunity to really listen and see if, if our assumptions and our current research was correct and, and kind of go from there. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting that that we could actually create something that we're looking at looking into. Well, what does this look like in partnership with a face to face workshop when that returns? So yeah, I think from here, there's only an opportunity to grow. You think in a way, um, all of this is a bit like a snapshot into what the future might look like. You know, a post COVID yeah, future well, when uh, you know, you know, maybe it is a mixed mode kind of uh, existence and and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's absolutely no going back. And as I said before, um, who wants to go back? Um, but I do think, like, it's going to be a really interesting time to even scale back digital and increase physical. Like, I don't know about you, um, I, I was just thinking the other day that um, I used to have this awkward um, moment with, I'm about to say something weird, I just realised. <laughs> go ahead. With, with touching people. 
No, I meant like, um, I yeah, just, you know, when you greet people, some yeah. people you know really well and so you're like, obviously their etiquette is that you give them a kiss and a hug. Yep. Um, I know men do handshakes all the time and I think women, like, I'd love to get into handshakes, but they, they didn't <laughs> feel like there was an in-between, between like a kiss and a nothing. Um, and I always find it really awkward to the point in which sometimes I'd give people a kiss hello that, it was just the wrong etiquette. Like we just yeah. didn't know each other. They didn't deserve it. it. It wasn't really warranted, but you went there anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, I'd pull away from that interaction with a great shudder and just be like, oh, you know, like what are you doing? And now I love that you can actually just walk up to somebody, stand a metre and a half away from them, not even raise a hand and just say, hey, how are you going? Um, and so it'll be interesting using that one example alone when we scale back technology and, and it'll be interesting to see how far we can or want to, yep. then what does it look like when we dial um, physical back up? And, yeah, I think it's naive to think that we are returning to before, that this isn't going to have a lasting impact. Um, yeah. So it's so intriguing. I'm, I'm well with you on that. I, I think it's fascinating. Why do we touch each other to say hi or goodbye? It, it's sort of, it, it's a very unique thing, but I think it probably comes from a bit of a evolutionary, you know, if I can have, have your hand, we trust each other or, you know, we embrace each other for warmth and, you know, it makes us feel good. There's there's lots of evolution in that, but I have noticed that it is very different now um, that that whole snapshot when you recognize someone and you go to interact but you haven't quite done so yet there's kind of a lot more scope for how you do the head nod or the acknowledgement look uh that becomes very i found it really awkward in week one yeah but like week four we're all corona professionals now as i said we're on corona time (laughs) like four years later and i think now like i'm just so okay with it there have been some hard times though i think um like flashing back to even a couple of weeks ago and having these um, surreal, oh, no, it would have been like three weeks ago, four weeks ago when the office, right before we all went into lockdown basically, and we, if you can imagine a massive room and about 10 people sitting in just about three metres away from each other on desk chairs, looking utterly shattered, completely depleted, um, crying, some some crying, knowing that we were scaling back and so much fear and so much anxiety. Um, and, yeah, having to sit there, it was like it was torture not being able to hold people during that moment or torture not to be able to hug people. Um, so I think, like, yeah, I, I am a toucher, as you can probably gather. Um, and so I can't wait to return to touch personally. But, yeah, I, I'm intrigued and fascinated as to... Um, how we will scale back or retain, um, yeah, and, and also to question what, what, why we originally did things the way we did in the first mm, place. Mm. And I think, you know, even politically, it's interesting to watch how, how it looks when government admits that it's making policy decisions on the run. Uh, it's it's just it's very um, good and refreshing. I'm actually enjoying following all these government announcements um, on the run much more than I enjoy the plan. You know, once a year we'll, we'll tell you a bit about the budget and we'll tell you what our election promises are. This cycle of um, getting together very rapidly to make decisions about how to best serve communities to me is um, much more interesting and it's got a certain appeal to it too. Well, I think, um, you know, lending to what we were saying before about um, whether you're an individual, a parent, an organisation right now that um, to really serve a need, you need to strip back your ego and really listen. I think we, we are, and I can't believe that I, I'm even saying this about this government, but but we are. I mean, when Scott Morrison um, stood up and announced JobKeeper, um, you know, two weeks or so ago, I think 
we all fell off our chairs. Like this is essentially um, a right-wing government launching an extremely left-wing policy um, and and one in which like has quite literally changed the game again for Project Rocket. It's gone from tennis back to Project Rocket. Now we can play. It felt like great. Now we could get our team back. Now we could, um, you know, get people's hours back up and basically say to them, that for the next six months, this is the consistent um, workforce, not every single week saying mm. we can't promise anything, but currently this is what we're working on. So, I mean, like I think um, it's really interesting to see um, leaders during this time and, I mean, coming out of the Australian bushfire crisis, which mm. is just bizarre that that was this year. Yeah, um, such a, such a crap year, honestly. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's not been a great year. But to see um, the way that, um, you know, things were handled from a leadership perspective then um, and how now is just so, so different. Um, yeah, it's it's a really, really interesting time, I think, to be a leader during this. Maybe time. I'll um, segue that question into what we discussed a, a bit earlier in our planning, just around leadership and what, I mean, politics aside or maybe inclusive of politics, up to you, what does good leadership look like in the time of COVID? For me, good leadership is showing up, which is ironic because you're not allowed to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Even virtually showing up is sufficient, please, I'm guessing. Please don't show up. Please, please don't actually show up. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, yeah, look, I've, I've probably, the last, I'd say, month for me has definitely been um, the toughest, toughest month of leadership for me. Um, and, yeah, like I think what I've learned, um, a lot of my approach I think has been validated in that, you know, I might not have always had the answers, um, but the one thing that I, I hope I always do is just show up um, and, you know, bring that vulnerability. And um, I think during this time, that's all you have because we, we haven't had the answers and it was so unbelievably frustrating. Um, and it's tempting to promise things or it's tempting to, um, you know, reassure people and, and give them information that you don't know is, is accurate yet. But really, I think um, what I've really learned is that it's about actually acknowledgement, showing up, it's sitting in the mud and saying, yeah, this is a really, really tough situation. I think yeah, so it's the, the first thing I think about um, leadership during this time is just being there. Um, the, but the other things that I've learned about um, leadership in this time are just how important it is to um, have already been an amazing leader, if this makes sense. So, um, you know, my team and I, as, as an organisation that tackles bullying, hate and prejudice in schools and wants to always be pushing so, so hard that envelope, that means that we have to do that internally at Project Rocket as well. We hire, um, you know, really um, diverse young people from many, many different walks of life and we enter them into Project Rocket, um, which isn't a utopia. Instead, we say, right, um, how can we be better? And as a part of that means that you hear a lot of feedback and as a leader, you're really accountable. And I think we've had some really tough times where we've heard really, really hard feedback um, and we've had some really rewarding times where, as a unit, we've, um, you know, dismantled the structures that are holding certain people back and we've rebuilt them together. And that has been um, the most humbling leadership journey for me, even including Corona. But what it's really built during this time is that it's built, um, and I'm even emotional saying this because in, in so much fear with Corona when Corona hit and feeling um, so responsible for, you know, 20 mouths to feed and for 20 people that are looking to you to, to tell you what's going to happen and to tell you that everything's going to be okay and knowing that you can't do any of that um, is really scary to know that, um, you know, some people that 
work with who are particularly vulnerable and your Project Rocket is their safety net or their stability. Um, and, yeah, to feel that enormous amount of um, responsibility, I think, and fear, um, but then to be greeted with so much support and so much belief and faith and trust despite having times previously in the past where we've had to give each other tough feedback, um, yeah, has been really humbling and it's also meant that um, we've kind of shortcut getting the job done, if that makes sense, because, um, yeah, we've had all that trust and rapport in the beginning. So, yeah, like the, the, it, undoubtedly the last four weeks has been really hard and I've also learned as a leader that you even just practical things, like you cannot stop updating people. Even if you don't have anything to update, just continue to update. <laughs> being really clear, being really transparent. Um, yes, leadership on the fly I think um, is important during these times because they're changing but to never stop being an extremely thoughtful, considered leader um, and making sure that, you know, every email that I've written, every update I've shared on Zoom or whatever, um, I've put more preparation into that than the, any other work that I've been doing because I've known that every single person I'm speaking to is an individual with their own story, their own fears, carrying their own burdens and that I really want to make sure that I can craft something that is um, genuinely speaking to the times and informing them, but is hopefully going to land as, as best as possible. Um, while, of course, also the role as a, as a leader is to be tuned in to your management teams and, you know, be having uh, them constantly feedback to you. And I've heard tough feedback too. And, and that's been really helpful because I've been able to quickly pivot because you can't know everything as a leader. Um, but, yeah, then then I think the role as well is to just um, you know, be a motivator. And, and I think um, our way or my way of doing that at Project Rocket is, um, yeah, to make sure people are connected to the purpose, but also to have fun. Yeah. Like fun is just the key. And so, um, yeah, and I think the team have really, like we were all a bit delirious. Everybody's absolutely bonkers. We've all seen um, all the crazy Zooms coming out of teams just absolutely losing it. No one's taken their pants off in a Zoom call yet, which is probably a good thing. Um, but, um, yeah, so yeah, look, I think a lot of, lot of lessons in the last month and, um, I undoubtedly, I'll be learning a lot more. And if I wasn't learning, then I wouldn't be doing it right. So yeah. Good call. Excellent call. And just because you skipped out on this one a little bit earlier, and I really want to know how you're going, um, how are you going, Rosie, with your own kind of like, you know, with being a leader, you've got to look after yourself, otherwise you can't look after others. Um, so how are you traveling and do you have any advice for other people who are leaders who might be needing to take care of themselves? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, I think as a disclaimer, I um, often struggle to separate my identity from Project Rocket's identity. Um, and I think most founders, I think, would, would um, relate to that or entrepreneurs, people are really passionate about what they're working on. Um, and I think um, as a teenager, basically, that started Project Rocket and, and grew it over the last 14 years, I think I even said this in my last interview with you, Mark, that Project Rocket's kind of raised me. Um, it's taught me more, you know, the students that I've worked with have taught me more um, in that period than I learned, I think I'll learn in my whole life, definitely more than I learned at school. And so, yeah, it's really difficult to separate myself. Um, and at times like this is a really unhealthy way of living. Um, just the sheer volume of um, feeling like everything is on the line. It actually, the first week I'd say it felt like I was fighting for my life, um, which I know Luce did, my, my co-founder and sister, um, who is usually joined at my hip, um, but we're not allowed to do that anymore, which is really sad. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but I think that first week, um, yeah, the wake-up call for me was I need to look after my team. And I think I'm looking after my team by doing this, but I'm not. And my team needs to look after young people, and so they need me to look after them. And the way that I look after them is by looking after me. Um, and so that was a bit of a wake-up call. I could see myself, oh, I bet there are people out there that keep seeing themselves in Zoom. Is there a way that I can see everyone else and not me? Because I'm so sick of seeing my haggard <laughs> <laughs> on Zoom, but that first week, Corona week one, I was like, oh, my God, you've aged 10 years. Like by the end of the week I was looking at myself and I was so haggard, so worn out, so worried, like so on this such heightened anxiety, not sleeping, feeling like feeling literally like I was fighting for my life. And then I had a bit of an epiphany. And the noble part of that epiphany is that I needed to look after my team and that meant looking after me. But the not-so-noble part of me was more like, fuck it. Like, honestly, like, hashtag fuck it. I was like, is the, is the world ending? Well, it's not looking great currently. But no, you're healthy. Your parents are safe. Like, you need to remember that you need to look out for people personally. You need to look out for your friends, your partner. You need to be a good partner. Mm. And you need to be a good self and right now you're being a really crap self and the message that you send to your team right now is that this is the fight of the light that yourself isn't important that your health and well-being is important that nothing is more important than this and so yeah I basically um had a last zoom meeting of the day with the leadership team and I said guys I just want to really apologize we've set an absolutely unrealistic unsustainable pace and as of Monday it changes um and yeah Monday we have fun we swing into fun and yeah there's a lot on the line and and um the way we work has changed probably forever um and right now there are some intensities involved but we really need to change the pace and um slow things right down and yeah that allowed me to look after me a bit as well I um stopped working sometimes I work into the night but I also stopped working into the night I'm big into um exercise um now I'm not one of those like fitspo people though just for people tuning in at home <laughs> definitely not an Instagram fitspo but I've been going to a local park and kicking the footy for like my girlfriend and I kicked the footy at the park until the lights went out the other night That's um, and it was so much fun yeah do you know what it felt like it felt like you know when you're a primary school kid after school you just play you yep. play until you're not to play anymore so we've been playing I've been skateboarding um my girlfriend brought home all this like circuit stuff from um you know her work so we've been like kicking the shit out of punching bags and it's just, it's actually kind of yeah been a good out- outlet because if I don't do that then you just transition from meetings in zoom in the daytime to social in zoom in the nighttime then I go to bed and I don't know about anybody else but I'm having the most messed up dreams me too big time um, yeah. i call it like zoom amnesia where it's just like it's really you can't remember what's happened in the past week or past month because every day is a bit like groundhog day except with different people on zoom with your face next to them <laughs> yeah the other the other thing that um, is a massive outlet for me is um cooking i'm not a particularly creative person i'm so impressed by people's um, creative streaks that are really like being fertilized during corona you see like it's like wow you can draw I'm like, wow, you're a crafty person, aren't you? I am not. It would look like your, like, four-year-old nephew's project, art project or something. Um, But I love cooking. And so, um, yeah, my girlfriend and I will fight over who gets to cook because it's basically the evening activity. Um, So there's a lot, and there's lots of wine too, I'm not going to lie. So a lot of wine, um, a lot of cooking. um, And just, yeah, trying to sort of still bring some fun into my life and be playful and, 
yeah, make sure that I'm I'm being a good daughter and a good friend and, yeah, not just being Rosie Thomas is Project Rocket full stop. Yeah, I think it's a really good call. I liked in your response how you sort of talk about um, yourself as what you are to others and a lot of that is sort of about recognising the importance of, of the nourishment you give other people in your life and that that's sort of part of what motivates you or sounds like a lot of what motivates you. Um, so, look, this has been an awesome chat. We better wrap up. This was sort of hitting that uh, sweet spot timing-wise. Um, and I know one of you is going to get ready to get cooking soon. Um, but do you want to shout out um, where people can get in touch with you and learn more about Project Rocket as well? Yeah, for sure. <coughs> Excuse me. Coronacoff um, yeah, too. Yeah, we'd, we'd love yeah, that was Coronacoff too, forgive me. <laughs> um, we'd, we'd love to, um, yeah, have, have your support or, or get to know what you're working on as well. Um, but, yeah, Project Rocket is Australia's youth-driven movement against bullying, hate and prejudice. We are building a world where kindness and respect can thrive over bullying, hate and prejudice so all young people can just be free um, to be themselves and realise their potential. So if that resonates with you, you can, yeah, follow us across social media so you can just find us by searching Project Rocket and Rocket is spelled R-O-C-K-I-T, all one word. Um, you can find more information, particularly about our new online workshops um, at www.projectrocket.com.au. Um, yeah, feel free to share um, word of them with your teacher mates. Um, if they're looking for, like, fun, interactive, um, youth-designed um, workshops that are tackling some of these curly issues, then, yeah, we'd love to partner with them and their schools. Um, so, yeah, please look after yourselves um, at this time. Drink all the wine, kick the footy, um, and let's move out of normal into a much, much better world that we're all capable of achieving. That's such an awesome sign-off. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today and um, having a nice virtual catch-up. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm going to stop recording, but um, hang on a second while we we'll have a chat. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word-of-mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com. 